Chapter Four of Different Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matt Perard. Different Girls, Harper's Novelettes, The Bitter Cup by Charles B. DeCamp. Clara Leeds sat by the open window of her sitting room with her fancy work. Her hair was done up in an irreproachable style, and her fingernails were carefully manicured and pink like little shells. She had a slender waist and looked down at it from time to time with satisfied eyes. At the back of her collar was a little burst of chiffon, for chiffon so arranged was the fashion. She cast idle glances at the prospect from the window. It was not an alluring one a row of brick houses with an annoying irregularity of open and closed shutters there was the quiet rumble of a carriage in the street and clara leeds leaned forward her eyes following the vehicle until to look further would have necessitated leaning out of the window there were two women in the carriage both young and soberly dressed to certain eyes they might have appeared out of place in a carriage and yet somehow it was obvious that it was their own clara leeds resumed her work making quick jerky stitches clara leeds she murmured as if irritated she frowned and then sighed if only if only it was something else if it only had two syllables she put aside her work and went and stood before the mirror of her dresser she looked long at her face it was fresh and pretty and her blue eyes in spite of their unhappy look were clear and shining she fingered a strand of hair and then cast critical sidelong glances at her profile she smoothed her waistline with a movement peculiar to women then she tilted the glass and regarded the reflection from head to foot oh what is it she demanded distressed of herself in the glass she took up her work again. They don't seem to care how they look, and they do wear shabby gloves and clothes, so her thoughts ran. But they are the Rockwoods, and they don't have to care. It must be so easy for them. They only have to visit the day nursery and the home for incurables and some old poor sick people. They never have to meet them and ask them to dinner they just say a few words and leave some money or things in a nice way and they can go home and do what they please clara leeds eyes rested unseeingly on the house opposite it must be nice to have a rector he is such an intellectual-looking man so quiet and dignified just the way a minister should be instead of like mr copple who tries to be jolly and get up sociables and parlor meetings there were tears in the girl's eyes a tea-bell rang and clara went downstairs to eat dinner with her father he had just come in and was putting on a short linen coat clara's mother was dead she was the only child at home and kept house for her father i suppose you are all ready for the lawn tennis match this afternoon said mr leeds to his daughter mr copple said you were going to play with him my that young man is up to date think of a preacher getting up a lawn tennis club why when i was a young man that would have shocked people out of their boots 
but it's broad-minded it's broad-minded with a wave of the hand i like to see a man with ideas and if lawn tennis will help to keep our boys out of sin's pathway why then lawn tennis is a strong worthy means of doing the lord's work yes said clara did mr copple say he would call for me it isn't necessary oh yes yes said her father he said to tell you he would be around here at two o'clock i guess i'll have to go over myself and see part of the athletics we older folks ain't quite up to taking a hand in the game but we can give copple our support by looking in on you and cheering on the good work after dinner mr leeds changed the linen coat for a cutaway and started back to his business clara went upstairs and put on a short skirt and tennis shoes she again surveyed herself in the mirror the skirt certainly hung just like the model she sighed and got out her tennis racket then she sat down and read in a book of poems that she was very fond of at two o'clock the bell jangled and clara opened the door for mr copple herself the clergyman was of slight build and had let the hair in front of his ears grow down a little way on his cheeks he wore a blue yachting cap and white duck trousers which were rolled up and displayed a good deal of red and black sock for a moment clara imagined a clear-cut face with grave eyes above a length of clerical waistcoat on which gleamed a tiny gold cross suspended from a black cord i guess we might as well go over she said i'm all ready the clergyman insisted on carrying clara's racket you are looking very well he said somewhat timidly but with admiring eyes but perhaps you don't feel as much like playing as you look oh yes i do indeed replied clara inwardly resenting the solicitude in his tone they set out and the clergyman appeared to shake his mind free of a preoccupation i hope all the boys will be around he said with something of anxiety they need the exercise all young active fellows ought to have it i spoke to mr goodloe and mr sharp and urged them to let tom and fred martin off this afternoon i think they will do it ralph carpenter i'm afraid can't get away from the freight office but i am in hopes that mr stiggins can take his place did you know that mrs thompson has promised to donate some lemonade that's very nice said clara it's a lovely day for the match she was thinking what short steps he takes after some silent walking the clergyman said i don't believe you know miss leeds how much i appreciate your taking part in these tennis matches somehow i feel that it is asking a great deal of you for i know that you have um so many interests of your own that is you are different in many ways from most of our people i want you to know that i am grateful for the influence your cooperation you know please mr copple don't mention it said clara hurriedly i haven't so many interests as you imagine and i am not any different from the rest of the people not at all if there was any hardness in the girl's tone the clergyman did not appear to notice it they had reached their destination the tennis court was on the main street just beyond the end of the business section it was laid out on a vacant lot between two brick houses a wooden sign to one side of the court announced first blank 
church tennis club when clara and mr copple arrived at the court there were a number of young people gathered in the lot most of them had tennis rackets those of the girls being decorated with bows of yellow black and lavender ribbon mr copple shook hands with everybody and ran over the court several times testing the consistency of the earth everything is capital he cried clara leeds bowed to the others shaking hands with only one or two they appeared to be afraid of her the finals in the men's singles were between mr copple and albert dunkelthorne who was called ellie he wore a very high collar and as his shoes had heels he ran about the court on his toes clara watching him recalled her father's words at dinner how will this save that boy from sin's pathway she thought she regarded the clergyman she recognized his zeal but why why must she be a part of this what was it this system of saving people and this kind of people if she could only go and be good to poor and unfortunate people whom she wouldn't have to know clara glanced toward the street i hope they won't come past she said to herself the set in which clara and the clergyman were partners was the most exciting of the afternoon the space on either side of the court was quite filled with spectators some of the older people who had come with the lengthening shadows sat on chairs brought from the kitchens of the adjoining houses among them was mr leeds his face animated whenever a ball went very high up or very far down the lawn he cried hooray clara was at the net facing the street when the carriage she had observed in the morning stopped in view and the two soberly dressed women leaned forward to watch the play clara felt her face burn and when they cried game she could not remember whether the clergyman and she had won it or lost it she was chiefly conscious of her father's loud hoorays with the end of the play the carriage was driven on shortly before supper time that evening clara went to the drug store to buy some stamps one of the misses rockwood was standing by the showcase waiting for the clerk to wrap up a bottle clara noted the scantily trimmed hat and the scuffed gloves she nodded in response to miss rockwood's bow they had met but once that was a glorious game of tennis you were having this afternoon said miss rockwood with a warm smile my sister and i should like to have seen more of it you all seem to be having such a good time you all clara fumbled her change it's it's good exercise she said that night she cried herself to sleep part two the rector married the younger miss rockwood to clara leeds the match afforded painfully pleasurable feeling it was so eminently fitting and yet it was hard to believe that any man could see anything in miss rockwood his courtship had been in keeping with the man dignified and yet bold clara had met them several times together she always hurried past the rector bowed quietly he seemed to say to all the world i have chosen me a woman his manner defied gossip there was none that clara heard this immunity of theirs distilled the more bitterness in her heart because gossip was now at the heels of her and mr copple 
following them as chickens do the feed box she knew it from such transmissions as but doubtless mr copple has already told you or you ought to know if any one does it had been some time apparent to clara that the minister held her in a different regard from the other members of his congregation his talks with her were more personal his manner was bashfully eager he sought to present the congeniality of their minds mr copple had a nice taste in poetry but somehow clara in after reading skipped those poems that he had read aloud to her on several occasions she knew that a declaration was imminent she extricated herself with a feeling of unspeakable relief it would not be a simple matter to refuse him their relations had been peculiar and to tell him that she did not love him would not suffice in bringing them to an end mr copple was odious to her she could not have explained why clearly yet she knew and she would have blushed in the attempt to explain why it would have revealed a detestation of her lot clara had lately discovered the meaning of the word plebeian more she believed she comprehended its applicableness the word was a burr in her thoughts mr copple was the personification of the word clara had not repulsed him you do not do that sort of thing in a small town she knew intuitively that the clergyman would not be satisfied with the statement that he was not loved she also knew that he would extract part at least of the real reason from her it is more painful for a lover to learn that he is not liked than that he is not loved clara did not wish to cause him pain she was spared the necessity the minister fell from a scaffolding on the new church and was picked up dead clara's position was pitiful sudden death does not grow less shocking because of its frequency clara shared the common shock but not the common grief fortunately as hers was supposed to be a peculiar grief she could manifest it in a peculiar way she chose silence the shock had bereft her of much thought death had laid a hand over the mouth of her mind but deep down a feeling of relief swam in her heart she gave it no welcome but it would take no dismissal about a week after the funeral clara who walked out much alone was returning home near the outskirts of town the houses were far apart and between them stretched deep lots fringed with flowered weeds man-high a level sun shot long golden needles through the blanched maple trees and the street beneath them was filled with lemon-colored light the roll of a light vehicle approaching from behind grew distinct enough to attract clara's attention it is mrs custer coming back from the poor farm she thought it was mrs everett custer who was formerly the younger miss rockwood and she was coming from the poor farm the phaeton came into clara's sight beside her at the curb as she remarked it mrs custer said in her thin sympathetic voice miss leeds won't you drive with me back to town i wish you would an excuse rose instinctively to clara's lips she was walking for exercise but suddenly a thought came to her and after a moment's hesitation she said you are very kind i am a little tired she got into the phaeton and the sober horse resumed his trot down the yellow street clara's thought was 
why shouldn't i accept she is too well bred to sympathize with me and perhaps now that i am free i can get to know her and show her that i am not just the same as all the rest and perhaps i'll get to going with her sort of people she listened to the rhythm of the horse's hoofbeats and was not a little uneasy mrs custer remarked the beauty of the late afternoon the glorious symphonies of colour in sky and tree in response to which clara said yes indeed and isn't it between long breaths she was about to essay a question concerning the poor farm when mrs custer began to speak at first faltering in a tone that sent the blood out of clara's face and drew a sudden catching pain down her breast i really miss leeds want to say something to you and i don't quite know how to say it and yet it is something i want very much for you to know mrs custer's eyes looked the embarrassment of unencouraged frankness i know it is presumptuous for me almost a stranger to speak to you but i feel so deeply on the matter everett mr custer feels so deeply my dear miss leeds i want you to know what a grief his loss was to us oh believe me i am not trying to sympathize with you i have no right to do that but if you could know how mr custer always regarded mr copper it might mean something to you to know that i don't think there was a man for whom he expressed greater admiration than what i mean he expressed to me he saw in him all that he lacked himself i am telling you a great deal it is difficult for my husband to go among men in that way in the way he did and yet he firmly believes that the kingdom of god can only be brought to men by the ministers of god going among them and being of them he envied mr cockle his ability to do that to know his people as one of them to take part in their their sports and all that you don't know how he envied him and admired him and his admiration was my admiration he brought me to see it i envied you too your opportunity to help your people in an intimate real way which seems so much better than mine i don't know why it is my way but i mean going about it as i do as i did to-day to the poor farm it seems so perfunctory don't misunderstand me miss leeds and mrs custer laid a hand on clara's arm there is no reason why you should care what mr custer and i think about your about our all our very great loss but i felt that it must be some comfort for you to know that we my husband and i who might seem indifferent not that say unaffected by what has happened feel it very very deeply and to know that his life which i can't conceive of as finished has left a deep deep print on ours the phaeton was rolling through frequented streets he turned a corner as mrs custer ceased speaking i-i must get out here said clara leeds you needn't drive me it is only a block to walk miss leeds forgive me mrs custer's lips trembled with compassion oh there isn't anything it isn't that good night clara backed down to the street and hurried off through the dusk and as she went tears dropped slowly to her cheeks cold wretched tears end of the bitter cup 
by charles de camp